What is up, Redeemed Church? Hello, hello, happy weekend, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Whenever you're watching this video, it's me, your friend Eddie Johnson, a part of the Redeemed Church teaching team. I hope you guys are having, this is the final uh, weekend in the first month of the brand new year. Can you, can you believe it? January is over already. Um, most of you are probably watching this. By the time you jump in this, it's probably going to be February 1st or 2nd, and we're going to be a week away from the Super Bowl. So what are your Super Bowl picks? Drop them in the comments, like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, and let us know who you're picking, Bucks or Patriots or whatever. Hey, all right, no further ado, no more uh, pleasantries. I'm going to dive into this word because we've got a lot to cover. Man, Marty did an amazing job. Dr. Marty Schaefer, okay, did a great job our first two weeks talking about uh, and unpacking the beginnings of this epistle of Colossians from Paul to the Church of Colossae. Uh, I get to dive in, and what I'm diving into today, it's a little bit of a recap, but we're going to set the stage for what we're doing moving forward as we continue to unpack Colossians uh, for the next couple of weeks, next couple of months here at Church at Redeem. So before I dive in, let me pray and let's get started. Father, thank you so much uh, for this church, Redeemed Church, for our friends and family, our brothers and sisters, uh, for the youngest to the oldest, to the shortest, to the tallest, Lord. I am so thankful that I get to be a part of this amazing body. Lord, bless us and uh, open our hearts, minds, ears, and spirits, and give me uh, what I need to communicate this word in the best way possible so that it touches these hearts and minds. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Like I said, doing a little bit of a recap, but let me read for you Colossians chapter one. We're going to start with verse one and we're going to go to verse 14 in Colossians chapter one. And then we're going to, you're going to, you're going to see a trend. You might see a trend. When I read this, I saw a continual trend that really stood out to me here in Colossians. Here we go. Colossians one, verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, for this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you has indeed, or as indeed into the whole world. So let me read that one more time. Because the hope of her laid up for you, you're excited, you're pumped, I'm pumped, I'm reading really fast. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed into the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it, you understood the grace of God and in the truth. You understood the grace in the truth, just as you have learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. We're going to come back to him in a little bit. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made it known to us your love in the spirit. And so from this day we heard, we have not, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of, uh, of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, 
verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share his inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us all. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Lots of stuff. 14 verses. There is so much stuff we could unpack in those 14 verses. But something stood out to me as I was reading Colossians chapter one is this fascinating things eight times, eight times. I'm going to say it again. Eight times. I should say it eight times. I'm going to stop right there. Paul uses this us, we language, okay? Did you catch that? Let me, t- let me tell you every eight times. Verse three, we always thank God our Father when we pray for you. Verse four, since we heard of your faith. Verse seven, just as you learned it from Epaphras, oh, excuse me, verse seven um, and eight, uh, Epaphras has made it known to us of your love. Verse nine, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Verse 13, he has delivered us, and verse 14, in whom we all have redemption. Something stood out to me here about the Apostle Paul that he continued to use this us-we language. So I, I, I did some digging, and if you've read any of the Apostle's letters, uh, several times uh, he's writing just himself. He said, I am the Apostle Paul of Christ Jesus, yada, yada, yada. And there's other times when he says, I am Paul here with, like he says in Colossians, it's me, Paul, here with Timothy. Or in Corinthians, he says, it's me, Paul, with another brother, right? There's so many times when he says, hey, it's me, Paul, I'm hanging out here with Kurt, or I'm hanging out here with Marty, or Eddie, or, or Liz, or Dana. But this, but and even when in those other letters, When Paul says, hey, it's me writing this letter with my brother here, he still talks about the singular presence. I always pray for you. I do this. I am interceding. I am hoping. I am believing. You can just read that and read 1 Corinthians as an example. 1 Corinthians, the first couple of verses, I think one through four, it will show you that. He's writing it with someone else, but still talks in the singular place. I am doing this. But for some reason, in the letter to the Colossians, He says, I'm here with Timothy, my other brothers and sisters, and we are doing this together. We are excited because of what we heard. We are praying. We are believing. All of us together are united, and we are excited because of you and because of what God has done. Can I tell you something, church? That's why I entitled this message, The Power of We, because I think the Apostle Paul understood that the gospel message has more power when it's a we message. Okay, so how do I break this down to you? If you've been a believer for a while, you may have heard the statement, if you were the only one, Jesus still would have died for you. All right, if you're a believer and you've been a believer for a little while and you've heard that statement, just raise your hand right now. I know I've heard that statement plenty of times. If you were the only one, Jesus still would have died for you. Can I tell you something, church? While that's not wrong, that doesn't fully uh, encompass all that the gospel is because the reality of what Jesus did is he didn't just die for you, he died for all of us. The gospel, the salvation story, the, what Jesus did, his life, death, his incarnation, life, death, resurrection, burial and resurrection were not just for one singular, but were for the whole. We see that in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here's a trustworthy saying that that deserves full acceptance. These are Paul's words to Timothy. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all men. 
especially those who believe. This idea that God, that Jesus Christ himself would have rescued you if it was only you, it's true, but it's limiting the full scope of the salvation story and the plan of of redemption that God our Father has. And I think Paul understands that. I think Paul understands it. I think Paul also knew the Corinth, or excuse me, the Colossian church understood that. Did you know that when you read all of the New Testament, that the Apostle Paul had anywhere from over to 80, over 100. We know for sure it was over 80, but it was anywhere between 80 and 100 or so companions that he lists in his letters and his writings and the historical accounts of his ministry. There's nearly 100 people. Some say it's over 100, but, but we know for sure it's over 80 people that Paul lists as, as folks who partnered with him in, in producing and in sharing and in, in, in growing and in, in sending the gospel. That's amazing. Paul understood that this gospel message of salvation is for all to hear and receive, and it is better when it is delivered by all. It is better when it's we, us, not just me, myself, and I. Paul understood the power of the gospel when it's an us thing, when it's a we thing. And he was so excited when he was talking to the church, the Colossians and the church. He was so pumped. You know, specifically, I think the reason why Paul stresses the we in Colossians is because fun fact is of all the amazing churches Paul started and launched, Paul actually didn't start the church Uh, at Colossae. He didn't start the church. Do you know who started the church? It was our friend that we read about in verse 7, Epaphras. You see, I'm going to read verse 7 one more time. Check this out. Uh, uh, Verse uh, uh, 7, we'll start with verse 6. Since the day you heard it and understood uh, the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the spirit. It's understood and it's believed by historians that Epaphras came into relationship with Paul sometime when Paul was doing ministry in Ephesians, okay? We'll connect some dots here. Paul is with Timothy. Timothy was was Paul's protege, and and Paul was his mentor. Timothy was the pastor of the church in Ephesus, where the letter of Ephesians is written to, and 1 and 2 Timothy is written to Timothy, right? You're connecting all the dots here. They believe that at some point in time, Epaphras came to know Christ under the ministry of Paul while he was in Ephesus, and then what he did was is he went back home to his hometown of Colossae and started telling everybody, yo, hey, hey, yo, I met this dude named Jesus in Seattle. So I had to come back here to the 253, to Tacoma, to University Place, to Lakewood, to DuPont, to Stillicum. I had to let you guys know at JBLM and in Parkland about this awesome, amazing man, uh, Jesus Christ, who I heard about from this man named Paul. He came back to his hometown and he started being an evangelist and he started the church. He started moving and grooving. He started sharing the gospel and it became contagious where this brand new body of believers formed and developed, not because the famous guy, the noteworthy guy, Apostle Paul, went and preached and evangelized there, but because a man who was full of the spirit, Epaphras, 
because he was so excited. He was so filled. He was so committed and he knew the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. He went back to his hometown and it sparked something to the point where a church began. Matter of fact, historians believe he didn't just start the church in Colossae, but he also started other churches in surrounding cities and surrounding areas. So here is Epaphras. He comes in contact with Paul while in Ephesus. He gets excited. He gets fired up. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the gospel, filled with the mission of Jesus Christ, goes back to his hometown, starts a church, not just one church, but other churches, and then comes back to Paul and says, yo, Paul, yo, that Jesus you've been telling me about, I've been telling about, I've been telling people in Colossae about him, and now I'm fired up. Matter of fact, the church has started. But, but, but Paul, we're, we're, we're trying to figure things out. We're trying to put things together. We're trying to figure out how we got to do things. Hey, Paul, will you write a letter? Will you give some encouragement to the church here? Will you give them a word of life and a word of wisdom so they can continue to serve God and not fall into any entrapments? Man, that sounds exactly like what we do today. Whether it's Marty, whether it's myself, whether it's another teacher, Liz or someone else, man, we just hear from the Lord. We encourage one another. We jump on the Zoom. We jump on the Skype. We jump on the YouTube. We share the encouraging message that God has given us so the entire body can be edified and lifted up. So Paul hears about what God is doing at Colossae. Hears also that there's some, 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 some weak spots, some blind spots. And he says, I'm so excited of what God is doing. I'm so excited that you caught the vision. No, no, I said that wrong. I said I. Paul says we. We are excited that you caught the vision. Timothy and I, Epaphras and I, the rest of the crew, we're pumped that you caught the vision. And we are pumped, all of us together, excited. I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul, in these first 14 verses, uses we, us language. And then that sets up that when that thought is done, the very next thought he goes to that Marty will dig into next week is this, is now let me tell you about how awesome Jesus is. Now that we all understand that we're in this together, we have heard and felt and experienced the gospel. Now let me tell you that in this moment, while we're all together, let me tell you that Christ is above all else. He is in everything. He has started. He is the, the originator, the sustainer, and he will be the finisher of all things. Man, that's exciting. Are you fired up? I'm fired up. I, I, hopefully you said a couple hallelujahs and amens because this is the word of God that's being delivered to you. Not because I'm doing it, because it's the word of the Lord. Paul understood the power of we. Paul understood that. I could, I could close the door here. I could end it right now. I could give an amazing encouragement, but I don't want us to stop here because not only did Paul have um, maybe 80 to 100, maybe a few more co-workers, co-laborers, partners in sharing the gospel, but Paul specifically in his closing remarks in Colossians, he highlights a few very specific people. Can we take, okay, now we're going through the book of Colossians in order, but to really give you the full breadth and the full depth of what Paul is doing here with this power of we, I need to highlight chapter four in Paul's final remarks in chapter four of the book of Colossians. Let me read this and then we'll dive in. Verse seven, Colossians chapter four, verse seven. Tittichus will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him is Onesia, 
Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, meaning that he was from Colossae. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. There's also um, these names. Can I just tell you something? These names. Anytime I read these names, these Greek, these Hebrew, these biblical names, sometimes I just make up my own names in my own head, so I have to pause and actually give you the proper pronunciation. But if I have a little fun with it, just give me some grace here. <laughs> All right? And then also, verse 10. Um, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, uh, concerning whom you have received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. And there's Jesus, who is also called Justice. There are, these are the only men of the circumcision, meaning these are the only Jews, that are among the fellow workers of the kingdom that are with Paul at the time. And they have been a comfort to me. Okay? Verse 12. Epaphras who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always. Here we learn a little bit more about the character that Epaphras has. He's struggling on your behalf in prayer, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. I bear witness, I, excuse me, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Herpolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Also does Demas. Give my greetings to all the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. And when the letter has been read among you, have it also read to the Laodiceans. And see to it that uh, also that uh, the letters were to Laodiceans in verse 17. And say to um, uh, Aricopus, see that you fulfill the ministry uh, that you have received from the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand and remember my chains. Grace be to you. So if you include chapter one, when Paul says, I write with Timothy, and you go all the way to chapter four, there are 11 individuals that Paul highlights as partners in the ministry. Let me just, let me highlight one more time who they are. Number one, we know Timothy. Okay, if you've been a believer for a while, the book of First and Second Timothy were written to him. Pastor of the church in Ephesus, like I said earlier. Araph, <clears throat> Apathras, who is a local from Colossae. We, we've, we've, we've explained who he is, right? We've, we've covered his story. Then there's Tychicus, a brother, Paul says. He, he, Paul sent him specifically to, to, to fill the Colossians in on all the activities that he's been doing and, and everything that's been going on with him. Matter of fact, you also see him showing up in the book of Ephesians where Paul entrusts him to carry the letter that he wrote to the Ephesians to them. There's Omnisius, Omnisimus, excuse me, okay? He is a former slave of Philemon. The, the letter to, written to Philemon, he's the topic of conversation in that letter. He is one who is led to Christ by Paul, probably in prison. He was a convert, and, and, and he was someone who also was a faithful worker for the gospel. Aristarchus was a fellow prisoner of Paul. Matter of fact, when you read in the book of Acts, you see him show up several times in the book of Acts as a traveling companion, a fellow co-worker with Paul. You've got Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. This is John Mark. If you know the gospel of Mark, he's believed to be the scribe who wrote those words. Not only that, but you see him in Acts as well as a traveling companion with Paul and Barnabas. There is, there is the man called Jesus who goes by justice. We don't know a lot about him, but what we do know is, can we just be honest? If my name was Jesus back then, I would go by something different. Hey, yo, Jesus. Nah, bro. Nah, 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 nah. Justice. Nah, you don't put me and him in the same category. 
there was Luke, the beloved physician. This is the guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke and who also scri- and wrote Acts. There's Demas. We'll talk about Demas here in a second. Uh, uh, there's Nympha, who was a woman who opened her home for the Gospel, and Archippus, who is believed to be the son of Philemon, who the letter was written to in Philemon, who was also believed to be a leader in the church. It's a lot of information. I just kind of shot you with a fire hose of names, ranks, and serial numbers. But let's break down. When I look at this list of 11 people, four observations stood out to me. Number one, there's a diverse cast of characters here. When I think about the power of we, the power of the gospel, the power of the church, it's made up of diverse people. In this list, there are Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, men, women, and not just this list, but of all the hundreds of companions that Paul's had, you'll find that there's people you've heard of, people you've never heard of. There's people who were up front, people who were behind the scenes, those who were locked up in jail, those who were freed, those who were slaves, some who were rich and well-to-do, others who were poorer, some were families, friends, some were locals to their, to their local community. Community, and others were foreigners who came in and visited. There's a diverse cast of characters that Paul partnered with to share the gospel. The second thing I noticed is that none of the relationships in here are necessarily perfect. Um, specifically, let me highlight two people. There's John Mark. Did you know that John Mark traveled and did ministry with Paul and Barnabas? At some point, John Mark deserted them. You can read this in Acts. Uh, it's Acts 12, Acts 15. At some point, he deserted them. And, 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 but at some point after the desertion, Paul and John Mark had some type of restoration where they came back together and they said, hey, we're still brothers in faith. Even though there was a falling out, we've been restored. And then there's another cat here named Demas. Demas is seen a couple of times in Scripture, but unfortunately we see for Demas probably his most infamous moment in Scripture is in 2 Timothy, where Paul writes and says, Demas has, has left the faith. He fell in love with the world. He has left Jesus. He's left the faith. Man, the, the, the fact that the relationships amongst the believers weren't perfect is not a black eye to the story. It's not a, a scarlet letter to the story. It just tells you the reality is true, that life is hard, life is difficult, but Jesus is still supreme above all. The gospel is still true above all. There's still a salvation, there's still a restoration, there's still a power in the gospel, and there's still power when we come together. A practical example I'll share about this is in our life group that we've, my wife Kendra and I have led uh, here at Redeemed Church for the last several years. We have led many different life groups, and in our life groups we've led, we've seen babies born, we've seen people move into homes, we've, we've seen people PCS in and out of our community, we've celebrated, but we've also mourned together, we've also cried together. We've seen people separate, get divorced, we've seen heartache and heartbreak, and we've sat there for all of it. We were in, arm in arm, linked together, uh, uh, under the banner of Jesus Christ, connected. We decided that as a life group that we would be there for all of it, the highs and the lows, the ins and the outs, because it's about the power of we and us. Third observation I have is this. Amongst this greetings and these closing remarks, you see that there's genuine love and affection and respect amongst Paul and his co-workers. There's genuine love and affection for the church. There's genuine love and affection for those who are together in the sharing of the gospel. There's genuine warmth. Man, there's something powerful about just being authentic. 
you've heard this phrase, uh, intimacy. If you break up the word intimacy, it just means into me see. There's something powerful about when you have the power of we, when you're just all intimate together as a family. The fourth observation is this. In everything they said and did, everything was about the gospel. Everything was about Jesus Christ. Everything was about us being together and being together as a family and being together for Jesus. Being together and being a family and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Being together and being a family and growing in our knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and how much he has done for us and how much we just love each other. Final thing I want to do as I close is this. Uh, Kurt and I were talking last week um, and we are so excited to be back in person this weekend, but if you can't make it in person, that's why you're watching the video, right? But we said, we posted on our social media last week for Redeem Church that we wanted to encourage you to do a Redeem Connection Challenge. And on the post it said this, connect with someone from the body, reach out to someone you've been praying for, and number three, reach out to someone that you haven't yet connected with in 2021. That's what we wanted you to do. That's what we wanted the body of church to do because we want to get all our eyes off the fact that, that obviously we want to meet together. Obviously we want to hug and high five and, and jam out and kick it and have fun together. But we also recognize that the body, the power of we, the power of us isn't limited to just meeting together on Saturday nights or Sunday morning. It's a part of everything we do. So please, church, here's what we're going to do for another weekend. I, I want to encourage all of us to make sure this weekend that we take the step of faith, we take the step of grace, we take the step in the power of we and us, and that we say, you know what, I'm going to find someone to connect with and to be in relationship with outside of just Saturday night at church. I want to make sure that people know that I'm thinking about them, I'm praying for them, I love them with a genuine warmth, and affection and passion because I'm doing it all for Jesus and I'm doing it because we are better together. Man, I'm fired up. I can't wait to hear all the amazing testimonies and stories of my redeemed church friends and family because the power of we and of what we did together in the 253 in Lakewood, in Stillicum, in DuPont, in UP, in Tacoma, in JBLM, in Parkland, wherever you live, Man, I say this most of the time when I close a message, but right now, I mean it now more than ever. I love you. God loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Redeem church, be blessed, and have an amazing day.